0: My country. <laughs> <tears of> the- <laughs> Sorry. I was saying it better the last time. Hi, everybody. It's the Beat you The Planner Show. Kristen asked for music and I was like, well, I'll just sing something patriotic because it's 4th of July. My country is of the sweet land of liberty of the I sing. Damien Dunn. Kristen Alaney join joined us. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hey. That was great. Loved I'm it. patriotic. Um, it was something. It was something. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Plate the Platter Show, first show of July, 2022. Um, all right. So this week there is going to be a brawl on air. A brawl on air. Kristen and I are on the either either side of the issue. Damien will be our Mills Lane old boxing referee that used to ref mm-hmm. uh, ref uh, fights against like Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield. Mills lane. Damien will be our, our ref for the battle that where Kristen and I argue over income share agreements. And then uh, damien has got uh, a question about uh, should you convert to a Roth IRA right now? And then uh, the Bwaman news um, hope everyone's got good plans this weekend. Good morning. Big Rick Swink. Hello, Kristen. What are your plans this weekend? 4th of July weekend.
1: To keep renovating
0: my house. To keep, will you do it in Americana garb? Will you have on like a flag tee or something like the, that? I will wear an old navy flag tee, absolutely. Dame, how will you get yourself
2: ready for the holiday? Uh, this will be a big shock to you, but we are going to spend some time at a swim meet this weekend. Mm. No. Yeah. I don't, and then uh, probably uh, do maybe a little bit of home renovation ourselves or office renovation, so to speak. Look there's Andy. Hello, uh, marriage, kids
0: and family America, uh, on the live stream. Uh, I'm fishing all weekend long. Ted and I are going to Cabela's. I'm taking a half day today. We're going to get some fishing supplies so I can lure the fish into the shore. (laughs) Uh, I was at a business function yesterday. A woman came up to me and she, Pete the planner. And I said, hello, woman lady. And she said, (laughs) um, I took a financial course online with you and your brother, Damien. And I said, let me stop you right there. Not related. Not related. related. And Damien, of course, for you podcast listeners, is wearing his not related t-shirt that he had made up. Um, Hello, Daniel. Good day to you. Um, All right. Kristen, are you ready to argue?
1: I mean, we both know that I'm not going to be that aggressive. There's not no way I'm not either. I'm sort of overselling it. That. <laughs> just
0: all right. Um let's do this. Let's do let's do it a little Riley. A, a little wound up today. Had a lot of caffeine.
1: More than one Miguel?
0: No, I uh I went to the uh I went Starbucks cold brew today on the way in. I don't know why. Sort of a there's, weird move. I never do that.
1: There's no way there's more caffeine in a Starbucks cold brew than in a Miguel
0: i don't know come on only man. the internet would tell and i'm not willing to google it in three two one this week on the pete the planner show we answer your money questions here's how the show works you email us ask pete at pete that's ask pete at petetheplanner.com and what will happen next is some would say a miracle we would answer your question on the air by we i mean kristen Alanius, director of education at your money line and damian dunn vice president of advice at your money line hello folks Hello. hello Kristen's spending her fourth of july weekend renovating a home damian is spending the fourth of july weekend wishing that he and i were actually related and i will be fishing happy fourth of july weekend to all of you uh this week on the show Kristen, um you and dame both went to purdue is this correct yes dame can you uh, verify
1: that's technically no. true this-
2: it's technically, I did go to Purdue. I might have finished at another state school, but I did go to Purdue, and that's where my heart lies. Okay. Well, there is a, a story this week about Purdue's
0: uh, highly touted income share agreements are not only being suspended for the upcoming school year, but there's some controversy. So we're going to talk about what they are, what they're supposed to be, and whether they're good or bad and why they're suspended and why a letter went to the Department of Education in March – Stating that I don't want to say the F word on the radio, fraud, uh, but but that there's some pretty big problems. Uh, so we will we will start there. We're of course going to talk about a, a question Dame had coming this week about sh- is this a good time to convert uh, to a Roth IRA? Uh, so we'll talk about that, and then of course, uh, Blum and News, Kristen, <laughs> an income share agreement years ago. President of Purdue University, uh, now former president future former president of uh, uh, Purdue University, Mitch Daniels, former governor of the state of Indiana, said, you know, I think we got an idea here. We're gonna do something called the Back the Boiler Program. A Back a Boiler Program is where a group of investors will uh, give money for education to a Purdue student. And then that student enters into an income share agreement, which is the way to repay the investment the investors made in the student. Now, there's a lot of uh, uh, sort of semantics as to what it is, but it is said to not be a public loan. It is said to actually not be a private loan. It's an income share agreement. You give a share of your income depending on what your income is, and uh, that's the basis, right? So, Kristen, on the surface, you think this is a really good idea?
1: I think that the idea is really good, yes.
0: Damien, on the
2: surface, how do you feel about it? Uh, I think in theory, this could be a very interesting idea.
0: What could go wrong? That that really wasn't an answer. But what could go wrong, of course, is that um, a a person's career path takes a weird turn. They end up, based on their income, paying a lot more back than than they thought because they've sort of – um, you know, promise their future income. Do you remember, Dame, years ago on the show, NFL players could sell their career as a security and so uh, this company would buy an NFL player's career and then and then you could buy shares of this person's career and they would share their salary with you and that, that thing failed dramatically. Well, this is a version of that, so much so that the Student Borrower Protection Center sent a letter to the Department of Ed in March of this year, saying Purdue's of boiler program offers rising sophomores, juniors, and seniors tuition financing of $5,000 or more through an ISA. An ISA is a form of a private student loan wherein students pledge to pay a predetermined percent of their gross income each month during periods after graduation when their income exceeds a minimum income threshold. Students continue paying until the sooner of having made a predetermined maximum number of payments, having made payments cumulatively equal to a maximum cap of dollars paid, or having been in repayment for a length of time to a maximum repayment window, regardless of how many payments they have made for the cumulative amount that they have paid over that period. Under the back of boiler ISA, borrowers' monthly income share and length of repayment obligation vary based on their major graduation date. And funding amount it is owned, Back Backup Boilers owned by two private Indiana companies and the charges levied by this organization, the uh, Student Borrow Protection Center, suggest that uh, there's misrepresentation of what they actually are, that they are uh, actually a private loan and they're not sold to be a private loan. And this is at the heart of the issue. You both are so stunned. You, you don't even know where to go with this. Uh, they were discontinued this year. Um, what ended up happening was Purdue University uh, switched service providers from Vimo education to launch servicing, and they suggested that launch servicing cannot do this sort of loan origination. Now, this is why there's concern. Ben Kaufman, who is with the Student Borrower Protection Center I just mentioned, um, said that, uh, well, he used actually pretty uh, aggressive language, uh, if I'm being honest with you. Um, he says that they've. Uh, if you want to find an origination partner, they could have done it. He finds that to be a BS representation, and instead the program has run into trouble. One student who borrowed $39,000 now finds himself on the hook for $900 per month to the income share program for the next eight years. Uh, Andrew Hoyler, the first graduate of the Backup Boiler program, previously told uh, this publication that monthly payments of his $21,000 loan have ranged from $174 to $334. So, Dame, again, good idea, but it, it seems for some reason it has fallen apart.
2: Well, why are you against finding ways for kids to pay for their college, Pete? Uh, that yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm, against. I'm, jo- I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah. So, there are some issues, it seems, on the surface of payments not being commensurate to, uh, potentially, uh, the the income that's being earned. I I don't know the exact calculation, how to work that out, man. You said you, uh, you came with some research, which I'm really hoping that you have a way to compare what these, uh, people in the back of back of boiler program are paying versus what a standard student loan might be, because I think that would be very convincing. I think the bigger issue is that Purdue implies that the
0: ISA is not a loan itself, right? They say it is not a loan. Um, And the charge here, including an op-ed in the Washington Post in 2019, uh, President Daniels says it's a powerful alternative to student loans, and he thinks of it as equity instead of debt. But it is quite clear these are debts. And so this is one of the reasons they shut down. I I actually think there's a bigger issue to this. The bigger issue is the period we just went through where student loan payments were set to zero or or interest rates were set to zero and people got student loan relief over the last 29 months because of COVID. People in the back of boiler program probably did not get relief and they were making payments the entire time.
1: But... Okay. Purdue, to my knowledge, they do not push the back a boiler program in advance of federal student aid. So if someone had, they would be utilizing the program after they had exhausted their federal student aid. So you would, I would think that someone in this program would have gotten some relief as part of the pandemic provisions that we've seen. Um, it would just be whatever they owed in excess would be my guess. I could be wrong.
2: I additionally, think, yeah, go ahead, Dan. Additionally, if, if, if that's how it is presented, the alternatives then become parent plus loans or private loans. Uh, if they go the private loan route, they probably didn't get relief during the pandemic either. So they were probably still making some student loan payments if that's the use case.
0: I think the issue is that they were represented as an equity and not a debt when they're very clearly a debt. And I think that if, if you're telling people to avoid student loans, oddly enough, I wrote a book called Avoid Student Loans, um, then people are going to look for something called an income share agreement or equity within their, their education. And I feel like that is uh, insincere at best. Stunned, stunned they are. They, can't, they don't even know what to say. Either my argument is so dumb or they are so stunned. <laughs> Coming up after the break... We will discuss this further, and we will hope that Dame and Kristen are not so stunned by my receipts. Right here on the Pete the Planner Show, I'm Pete the Planner.
2: Stunned.
1: I have a problem. We I... only have like 15 seconds.
2: No, that's fair. Yeah, it's I thought I thought you were going to run the clock <laughs> out. No, it's waiting for witty banter.
0: Uh, you came to the wrong place. What's your point, Kristen? Do you want to make it now or start to make it now and then make it on the air?
1: I do not know the second half of the answer to this, but if someone doesn't make more than 20 grand, they don't enter payment or repayment on the income share uh, agreement. How long does that, how long can that last? Do we know the answer to that question? Like if someone never makes more than 20 grand or if they don't make more than 20 grand for 10 years, like... Does the investor just not get repaid? What happens?
0: That's a good question. I don't know.
1: And how's that different from income-driven repayment on federal student loans?
0: Because, I don't know. Because those are student loans, and this is said to not be a loan. It's said to be uh, equity.
1: Can it be a loan if you don't have a balance due?
0: Yeah, well, I guess it gets to what is the definition of a loan. I'm going to look up a yeah. loan definition.
2: If, if it had been posed as a loan, would your opinion change? Like It would have been a school-financed education?
1: Hedge I don't know. Fund? I mean,
0: potentially, I think the bigger issue is that it's misrepresented.
1: How much counseling do you think someone has to go through before they sign a promissory note or well, if it's not a loan, there's no promissory note, but before they sign for this,
2: let me read this pamphlet, come back and let us know if you want to sign for it.
0: By That's the way, how- I just looked up loan Uh-oh. and I, th- I, I found the definition. I think it's a bad definition. The definition <laughs> is a thing that is borrowed, especially a sum of money that is expected to be paid back with interest. I don't think interest is an operative part of a loan. People exactly. borrow money without having an interest rate associated with it, and it's still a loan. I would agree. Uh,
2: Mrs. Advice uh, just sent a brilliant text message. Uh, she said, Wait, "This is an whose annuity. side
0: is she on?" Before you read this
2: on air, whose side is she on here? Truth. Uh, on I think it's probably. Truth. I think it's probably yours. Uh, okay, let's hear this, it. That's what she got. This This is an annuity, not a loan.
0: That's fair. And by the way, it's worth noting an annuity is not an investment. It's an insurance product. So maybe what we're saying is this isn't a loan. It's insurance. Which is also regulated. Hmm. For, there's, an, uh, there's an act of, of that ha- I'm sort of reading through this here. Um, <laughs> Congress passed the Student Loan Sunshine Act in 2008 as part of the year of that year's reauthorization. Under the act, institutions of higher ed access to Title IX aid must com- so this also has to do with Title IX must comply with sweeping code of conduct doc- related to private student loans this code includes substantial limitations on and disclosure obligations surrounding the relationship with individual private lenders. And so one of the big issues there is that the act stipulates that the schools with any private lender agreements must disclose to students several aspects of the loan products that their creditor partners in these arrangements offer, including the potential range of rates of interest applicable, which since they weren't even calling these loans, they didn't disclose.
1: In theory, though, disclosing the interest rates great, but to a 19 year old, does that interest rate like, are we are we really educating? Because like, I, and I'm I'm speaking from experience, right? So I have two sides to why I think this is potentially a good idea, and the first is my experience in finance my personal education. And I'm telling you that it could have been way worse because I had no idea what I was doing. And I could have borrowed a lot more money when I was 18. And the second is what we do for a living, which is just like seeing anecdotal experiences of personal finance. So I, I don't know.
0: Let's take it to the air in three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show, joined by Damien and Kristen this week, talking about Purdue's back-a-boiler program, which has been suspended, which sounds negative. It sounds really aggressive, but in fact, it has been suspended. Uh, No new back-a-boiler income share agreements will be issued this fall. Ones that have already existed will continue to be serviced. And uh, Kristen, would you believe that one of the reasons that critics of this program feel as though it has misrepresented itself involves Joe Camel? Now, I know you are much younger than Damien and I, and and you may, because of this, not even know who Joe Camel is. So, Kristen, out yourself right now. Do you have a relationship with Joe Camel? Do you know who Joe Camel is? I'm so scared. No, I don't know who Joe Camel is. Okay, so Damien... My point is just proven here. That worked. Damien, why does Kristen not
2: know who Joe Camel is? Because Joe Camel was uh, allowed to not exist <laughs> after a certain period of time. Joe Camel uh, was a uh, – have you ever seen a pack of Camel cigarettes, Kristen? Yes. They have a Camel on them. Well, Camel cigarettes took that Camel and made a uh, cartoonish character uh, they called Joe and it was very clearly marketed towards kids to try and influence them to eh, take up that, uh, that, that all-American habit of smoking and, and destroying their lungs. Well, the government decided they didn't like that. They thought it was bad. And they said, Joe's got to go. Joe's got to go. And uh, away he went. So that's why you don't know who he is because
0: they used a mascot to gain influence with young people. The Student Borrow Protection Center says that the Act of 2008 that that re, you know, recast student loans explicitly forbids schools from engaging in the co-branding of products offered by a preferred lender including by prohibiting the use of the name, emblem, mascot, or logo of the school, or other words, pictures, or symbols readily identified with such institution or organization in the lenders' marketing of private loans to students. Purdue, Purdue peated, they they joke-hameled these young people to take on these newfangled loans called back a boiler. And that, my friends, I feel like Matlock. And that's how... Joe Camel and Back Boiler are related. Is anyone buying this?
2: To be fair, if they would have used the head of Purdue Pete uh, on any of these, it would have been enough to raise suspicion way earlier. (laughs) Because (laughs) that is is entirely the creepiest mascot in the U.S. I don't think that's...
1: But the boiler is not the mascot. The boiler is the student. So did they really violate that? Uh, I'm the boiler.
0: Okay. The name, emblem, mascot, or logo, uh, or any other words, pictures, or symbols. Words, boilers, boiler makers. It is their mascot.
1: it It's the student. The mascot's the train or Purdue Pete.
0: The main web page used to market the back of boiler loans are hosted at a Purdue.edu True. web domain, True. Purdue's logo placed directly next to the header "Back of Boiler" on the top of the page. True. Look, I'm not. I'm not actually upset about any of this at all. <laughs> I I find it interesting because the bigger issue, as Kristen said to me this morning, as we in pre-show, is like. It's sort of funny how there's all of these, uh, this criticism around how people pay for college. And it's, it's pretty convenient how it circumvents the idea that maybe college is too expensive. <laughs> maybe that's the issue. We talk about that student is loan issue. forgiveness. We talk about free college. We talk about back a boiler. We talk about Joe Camel. But isn't are all of these things ultimately just making college more expensive as opposed to less expensive? Yes. Yeah, I
2: I
1: think that's. Go ahead,
0: Dame, go. No, guys, I would like 10 more seconds of silence (laughs) so that anyone listening in their car on 4th of July weekend can just be like, man, I I wonder if two people on a video call are nodding right now. I wonder if that's what's happening. I'm going to go to the fireworks store and hope that there's an explosion just so I can hear something over the next 10 seconds. Go ahead, Dame. (laughs)
2: No, I'm going to sit here and be quiet for another 10 seconds just to extend <laughs> the awkwardness that we all feel Sorry. as we try and work out this show with three people, which is a, an improvement in my estimation. But here we are going through the growing pains of adding a third person. Kristen, we love you and we're happy you're here.
1: Thank you. I was worried for a second <laughs> that I was going fired. <laughs>
2: No, I in fact it was so awkward I don't even remember what Pete's original point was for me to disagree with.
1: The the cost of higher education is really the issue. It's it's like he said, it's convenient that now this is the thing that we're debating is Purdue's trying to find, I believe, an innovative way to fund higher education in a way that gets the student more involved in the cost of their degree, which I think is the biggest plus to this whole program is having a better understanding of ROI and what it's going to cost you to go to school. And somehow we've circled all the way back to Purdue is the villain in this situation. And it's not that they froze intuition for the entirety of Mitch Daniels tenure, by the way, um, but that it's that school is just too expensive.
2: Yeah, which actually gets to a really interesting question. If the plurality of people are saying college is too expensive, what's the right cost? I mean, because we can all sit here and say, well, I, you know, I, I don't have, I can't save that much. It's, it's going to put me into the hole. I'm going to have to take out debt to send my kids to college to get them a quality education. Okay, what's fair? Because if we look at what tuition costs for a year of college, I don't think it's that far off. $12,000 for a year of college, I don't think is that unreasonable. Now, when you start tacking on all the other stuff, I think that's where we start getting into trouble, room and board, books, uh, technology fees, uh, fees for student union, whatever, you know, walking around money. <laughs> now, you're over double what you're going to pay for that. True. So is the issue the cost of college or the whole college experience? Is the education affordable and everything else is what makes it unaffordable? I will note that within the last 10 years, college
0: inflation has slowed. One of the the biggest talks in financial planning in the last few decades was, hey, at 6.7, at 7% annual inflation of tuition costs, no one will be able to send their their kid to college. And that definitely slowed, including at a place like Purdue where they froze tuition Mm -hmm. uh, for a number of years. And so I, I will note, number one, I do not blame Purdue in any way, shape, or form on this segment. I, You know, I'm sort of, it's hyperbolic at, at best and silly at worst. I, I think they were tried to be incredibly creative, but I, this gets to a completely different point here. I think with all of the consumer inflation over the last year, the one industry that has not yet got to weigh in on how inflation has infected, affected them and how they're going to pass it on is higher ed. I think these years and years and years of frozen tuition are about to explode. Uh, obviously, not this fall. Prices were already set. But I think fall of 23, fall of 24, you are going to see massive tuition increases as these organizations are going to have to fund cost of living adjustments and deal with supply chain issues and cost of increased goods or increased cost of goods. And it's going to be shocking next fall.
2: We uh, we should have had friend of the show, Phil Schumann, join us so we could have four people on this show to really increase the likelihood of awkward silences.
0: Do you really think having an IU guy on during a critical conversation about Purdue would have been a good idea?
2: Yeah, yeah, I think he's largely fair.
0: He is. I want to note one last thing. Uh, Number one, disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. I really don't care. Number two, uh, (laughs) I I find this the most... A predictable thing of this letter from the Student Borrow Protection Center. The Department's Office of Federal Student Aid should condition Purdue's continued participation in Title IX aid programs on the school's abandonment of this risky and illegal lending schemes, in addition halting the issuance of new private student loans, and they should be required to remediate its past violations by arranging for the cancelization of all unlawfully originated loans and refunding of all the money paid. I'm Pete the Planner. We'll be back after this
1: that statement
0: It's absurd
1: it's absurd it's absolutely ridiculous then every institution that ever gave a diploma to someone who couldn't pay back their student loans it has to pay come on
0: yeah, that I ask is egregious the the thing I really want to know I think goes Kristen's point of this so you couldn't get a back the boiler unless you capped out your federal student loans was that your your guess?
1: I, I don't know that they made it a requirement, but I do know that President Daniels was clear about not replacing like the initial limits of federal lending with the back of boiler program.
0: See, this is where the Joe Camel thing actually comes into play in my estimation. If you are an innovative, young, excited student and your choices are between a student loan or the back the boiler program, you're going to choose the back the boiler program. It's sexier. Like, it, it, like it, even if they say don't choose back a boiler over student loans, you're going to be like, uh, I'll take the equity uh, income share agreement first.
1: I don't know because I think it's, I would still guess that it's easier to get a federal student loan. And I think more people are inclined to take the path of least resistance in respect to higher education funding, would be my guess.
0: This past week was the 50 year anniversary of Title IX. Is that correct? Is that one of the news you all saw? Could be. I think so. Uh, funny how it's, I mean, it started out having to do with, uh, women's athletics uh, that they were so underfunded and unfairly funded in relation to, to men's athletics. And and it extends its reach all the way to this story about a uh, boiler. Wild, huh?
1: I think my last point about this is the thing that I like most about this And I kind of mentioned this is that it forces the student and whoever else is involved in the financing of their education to be proactive and to do some initial research. The primary issue is that at Purdue specifically, this is not happening until they're a sophomore. (laughs) They've already chosen their school, they've already chosen their degree program. And then looking at the back of the boiler program, if they've chosen a degree that's not as advantageous for this program, it's it's like the carriage before the horse. Having this discussion would have been great for them as like a senior in high school before they picked their school and their major and everything else.
2: I will note. they may have chosen idea. their they may have chosen their degree, but they'll change it three more times after they're a sophomore.
0: I changed mine as a senior, so. See? I don't remember what my degree is in. Um, guys, Purdue also had it. It's true. Uh, it's a liberal arts degree. Uh, Purdue actually had some amazing news. Uh, that's true. Um, this week, um, which I think tells us a lot of how economic development is going to happen going forward around our country. They have a public-private partnership with a semiconductor manufacturer. Uh, overseas, I want to say it's in Singapore, where basically um, there's going to be several dozen, maybe a couple hundred high paying semiconductor design jobs in West Lafayette associated with Purdue University. And what happened was Mitch Daniels and the new incoming president of Purdue basically went out and formed these relationships and recruited this company to come do this. What I'm saying is, I think the future of economic development around college towns are going to be these business-centric presidents of universities going overseas and trying to bring particular companies to, to join in these
2: partnerships. And that is actually very innovative and incredibly fascinating. Do those uh, semiconductor jobs eventually become pro-conductor or full-conductor jobs? Oh,
1: Oh no terrible. Wow. Terrible. Um, yeah. You Daniels think that was that terrible?
2: With... Wait till the news.
1: <laughs> great. Um, Dame Car Guy, President Daniels did that with was it Rolls-Royce too?
2: Yeah, but I think that was Rolls-Royce uh, aircraft uh, for their engines.
1: Oh,
0: touche.
2: Yeah. What's Aston
0: doing this week as just an organization.
2: I'm just waiting for mine to show up, uh, be delivered for the the holiday weekend.
0: All right. Um, Dame, are you you leading uh, the charge on this next segment here? I can, if you want me to. All right. Um, I will set you up as an intrepid field reporter, and uh, you can just take it from there, okay? Do I need to cue up my helicopter sound? I've got it. I'll take care of the helicopter sound. In three, two... One back on the Pete, the planner show Uh joining us live from a, a undisclosed remote location is our intrepid field reporter, Damian Dunn. <laughs> to talk about oh. <laughs> to, to talk about uh, that. It's the news chopper, the Pete, the planner, Whirlybird. bird Dame. Can you please talk about the Roth IRA conversion and its prudence here in the year? 2022
2: hello pete it's kind of hard to hear you over the whirling of the blades no so (laughs) i've seen a number of questions uh lately and, and had a couple come into our queue on whether or not now is a great time for a roth conversion uh kristen do you want to clue the uh clue the audience in what a roth conversion is in general
1: Sure. So, when someone has a traditional or a pre-tax um, IRA, they can they actually have an opportunity to, as its name implies, convert those dollars to post-tax dollars, pay the tax, and then put those funds into a Roth IRA so that the growth and distribution of those dollars is tax-free moving forward.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So the the key here is is that you have an opportunity to convert some some dollars pay some money to do it, but then you will get out of having to pay tax later in the future and have required minimum distributions because they're no longer in a taxable IRA. So why would we consider now a good time to do that? Well, I don't know if you've noticed, but the market values are down uh, somewhat significantly in some cases, and that makes it potentially very attractive to move uh, an investment from a taxable account to a Roth account because uh, you still have the same number of shares that will hopefully recover in the future, but the value of those shares that you would be taxed on is much, much less. So you could pull a little bit of uh, fancy maneuvering and and potentially set yourself up really, really well for the future by, well, paying some taxes now versus later. So. The question becomes: Is now a good time to do that, versus um, you know the previous uh, few years? And I'm going to throw it to Pete for his opinion on is now a good time to convert? And we will throw in some some considerations here as the conversation goes. I don't want to say
0: unequivocally yes because that's just not how I roll. But yeah, I, I think it is. I mean, if you're thinking through this lens, this is not tax loss harvesting because tax loss harvesting would be where you would sell a security to to garner a loss and then buy you know whatever. This is not that because you're not selling securities. I'm not actually giving investment advice here. This is more tax advice. Uh, damn, yeah, I would say uh, I would say it is a good time with a with
2: a with a bear market. Yes so the, the big challenge becomes for most people if if we agree uh, and I, I think now is a, an advantageous time Kristen, uh, yes advantageous time yes shaking your head for yes for
1: the most yes. part yes
2: yeah uh, the challenge becomes is how do you come up with the tax money because if you're under the age 59 and a half uh, and you move this you you don't want to take the money out of the ira because it will become a taxable distribution so you got to come up with that cash out of your own pocket to pay for this. That becomes a significant challenge, right? It, it does. I, I thought, was that a rhetorical right? Or were you, were you no. looking for me to step no, in? No, I was looking for somebody
0: to step in. More uh, it, 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 <laughs> we're on it today. <laughs> this is so the best good. show we've ever done. Yeah. I, I, I would say, yeah, ca- cash is going to be an issue there. I, I would note if you're someone that typically gets a tax refund, Um, that's one way to sort of offset, um, what your tax liability may be, but then depending on the size of what you're converting, it may far exceed your tax liability may far exceed whatever excess, uh, tax surplus or credits you might have.
1: So our considerations here are the following, how you feel about future tax rates, Right. Where you're at in your earning potential in your career, if you're at the height of your career and you're making more than you've made and you're likely to continue to making make that wage, that's consideration. Or if you're on the opposite end of the spectrum, if you're probably at a lower income rate than you might be in the future. Um, and then how you feel about a bear market and a recession, because if you believe that we're headed for a recession, we still have some some time or we still have some uh, there was, there's still going to be some downside in the market. We're not quite to the average bear market drop yet.
2: Yeah. I would say if that's the case that it, most people aren't going to do the entire IRA conversions all at once. You don't have to, it's not all or nothing. You could do a, a chunk of money this year, a chunk of money next year, uh, basically fill up tax brackets if you want. And over time you can make that conversion. There is one other consideration uh, that, is really, really important, especially if you're really close to retirement. That's a five-year rule. Kristen, are you familiar with five-year rules?
1: Oh, probably not enough to be the subject matter expert here.
2: So there are three different five-year rules that go into effect with with Roth IRAs. This one, however, that says once funds are converted, you have to wait five years before you can t- start taking them back out. Now you can always take contributions out, but growth is off limits. So if you are within a few years of retirement, you want to be really careful about converting within that five year period or within a, a certain time period, because if you need that money, you may not be able to access all of it. You're going to want to make sure that your timing lines up with your needs.
1: you if- there was ever a case of personal finance doesn't happen in a vacuum. I think that this is the this is a prime example of like, this can look like a really great idea for somebody. And then you could have a variable that just like completely throws our recommendation out the window.
0: Yeah, Dame, I think this is one of those strategies that flies under the radar specifically for people who don't have financial advisors. There's a lot of people that manage their money themselves and they, they're they not, it doesn't go as far as they're a personal finance nerd. They are not necessarily well-read in personal finance. They just like the mechanics of running their own financial life. But then you get into something like Roth conversion. The only way they're ever going to really hear about it is catching it on a, an article on CNBC mm-hmm. or going through the airport and seeing a Kiplinger's investment magazine and having it on the cover. Uh, and that again, that is another reason. This is just one small example of why we are, feel so strongly about people having financial advisors. It's because it's their job to look out for strategies like this that can have a serious impact. And to to try to run your entire financial life for decades completely by yourself and be up to date on all the latest
2: uh, trends and styles, uh, that's problematic. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, Roth conversions aren't going to be... Um party talk uh, very often, unless you run with <laughs> nerds like us, uh, the bigger consideration that, that I've got uh, outside of Roth conversions and backdoor Roth contribute, whatever it is, make sure you're saving enough. You've got to be able to know that what you're doing is going to support the goals that you've got in the future. Whether that's five years from now, whether that's 50 years from now, you've got to make sure you're on track to accomplish what you're setting out to do. And if you think that a, a Roth conversion is going to be key to helping you get there, well, maybe not. Right? Because if that savings habit and that savings discipline isn't ingrained in what you're doing in your day-to-day financial lives, it's very unlikely that, that some... Uh, mm-hmm trick or move or conversion or pulling a rabbit out of a hat, that's probably not going to save you. You've got to make sure you're doing the work to get to where you want to be.
1: Yeah. a, A Roth conversion is a supplement, not a substitute for good, just financial foundation. I think you're exactly right, Dame.
0: All right, so we can't ever give blanket answers because they don't work. But yeah, it's something you should look into. It's something (laughs) you should talk to your financial advisor about if you have one. Uh, But ultimately, yeah, you know what? I got to be honest. I it's got me thinking about my own situation. (laughs) Like you you bring it up, I'm like, yeah, some stuff's kind of down, and that would that would be that would be actually kind of good to to deal with that this year. Uh, So maybe I'll talk to my maybe I'll call your money line and and talk to someone and (laughs) see if I can do that. All right, Dame, coming up after the break, you promised snarky news this week with bad dad jokes. So uh, when we get back after the break, you're going to deliver on that. Plus, this week's biggest waste of money of the week, which, frankly, is kind of terrifying. Like, it's a whole category of foods that people are really into. It helps you sleep. It helps you feel good. This one is work-related, and it scares me. That's next on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. How about that for a tease? Danza call your money line and get the answers nice teaser well if your employer has your money line right.
1: and if not they should talk to them about that
0: we opened HQ2 this week dang is it officially open uh, as of last night
2: Okay, so the uh, the the the, uh, the public grand opening is next week. Next week, yeah. HQ2
0: is the uh, you've heard of Amazon HQ2, where their global <laughs> headquarters has a second headquarters. HQ2, <laughs> your money line now has a second location. HQ2, we call it because we are basically the Amazon
2: of personal finance.
0: It's a I, jungle uh, out I, there.
2: Uh, <sighs> yeah, I submitted uh, some a really good idea for uh, naming conventions for the the rooms and conference rooms. I'm I'm excited for you to see it. Good. I actually okay, I fine. did see it. I liked yours. I, I liked them. They're pretty good. I, could you come up with a, a fit? Well, nobody needs to know, but uh, I, no I'm going to need help with the last one. No one cares.
0: Uh,
2: all right. I'm ready for Blom. <clears throat> Let's do it.
0: I, on the other side of this is me editing the show, sending it to all the radio stations, and going to Cabela's with Tad and then going fishing. So when people are like, oh, you don't always say you're busy. I want to go hang out with Ted uh, and, and uh, get him to catch a fish, uh, some fish, and touch the fish. He, he doesn't nice. like to touch the fish. I got to get him a point this weekend in which he will grab a bass in the face oh. and hold it up. Can he be bribed? I mean,
2: have you tried just old-fashioned bribing?
0: No, he, he, he runs and scatters and flips his hands. So it's uh, not going to work well. <laughs> Uh Danza. <laughs> Danza says your money line is like Amazon Uh blink twice. If you, if you need help, Kristen and Dame, that's funny. No, come on. I'm a shareholder. Uh, I'm a shareholder. Organizations. Um, okay. <laughs> so let's do this. Dame's got the news ready in three, two, one. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete, the show is the, A system productivity gummies. Between social media, texts, or just stress, staying productive is one of life's most challenging tasks. When focus is lacking, a system productivity gummies offers a little boost. The all-natural daily chew is formulated with sunthinanine, a potent nootropic clinically proven to stimulate alpha waves and boost calming brain chemicals within 30 minutes of taking focus will sharpen energy will increase and the mind's flow state will enhance to provide over five hours of productivity. Each sweet morsel is made with natural fruit for a wild berry flavor and it's free of gluten and artificial chemicals. Dame, um, first off this is like creepy future workplace walk in grab a gummy be productive right I mean that's the feel you're getting
2: yeah I mean don't they just have a bowl of greenies and phetamines by the door as you walk in and toss them in and toss them down the hatch and go for it if this really does have um there was that do you guys ever see that
0: bradley cooper movie i think it's called limitless where he takes this pill and it makes him like hyper intelligent and productive which i I just assume was adderall or something like that uh this just makes me think man tech companies are gonna have this at the door in the snack room next to the draft cold brew for people they're 45 dollars by the way which i who cares what they cost that's just sort of a terrifying idea like i i know where this is going I mean, this is going to be next to the cans of Pringles and uh, a moon cheese in the
2: break room. You're going to see productivity gummies. Can we get to stuff infused in Pringles and Oreos and all that of this? This will like you eat some stuff and then you just you have this motivation to go do something. I, I like
0: being productive as much as anybody. Um, and I use good old fashioned drugs like caffeine. caffeine. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, are, we're not, do we, do we need another way? So instead of caffeine, I have to use sunthinin. Yeah,
2: that I, that potent nootropic is really the direction I want to go. I, you know what? Maybe it is, Pete. You don't know unless you experiment a little bit.
0: You know, I can't sleep. I think most people who know me well know that I don't actually sleep. I'm like a vampire. I don't sleep. Um, I don't know if vampires sleep or not, so I don't know why I said that. And so people, my friends are always like, well, you should try gummies. You should do this, mel- meli's, melatonin gummies. I'm like, I don't want to have to depend on something to sleep. That seems problematic. But I was talking to a friend, and they were like, you should take meli's. And I was like, meli's, what are you talking about? And they're melatonin gummies. I'm like, I, I just can't. I don't want to take a bunch of gummy bears to do different things, like be productive, not be productive. Be tall. I don't want to do it. How long have you not been sleeping, Pete? Uh, Forty-four years. Um, <laughs> okay, so yeah, it's, not, I, it's no. not a
2: new new development. It's just something. No, new. it is.
0: I mean, the pandemic, right? I mean, it all started with um, you know work eighteen-hour day, and then realize that you're going to have to turn your brain off after doom scrolling the New York times website at 1am and then waking up in the hellscape once again. And then from that point forward, it's just, I, I think it's also age. I just, I just don't sleep as well. Yeah. You're going to have to you're cut old. your
1: caffeine intake.
0: I've tried that, but that's no fun. Cause then I have to take productivity gummies.
1: <laughs> you got to just have a healthy balance between your uppers and your downers. It'll be well fine.
2: said. <laughs> uh, Dame, what's on the news this week? Retailers typically want their sales numbers to be red-hot, but not their customers. Bed, Bath & Beyond is reportedly dealing with cooled momentum and heated customers at its stores. A new report from Bank of America claims that the company has cut air conditioning in an effort to quickly lower expenses to make up for a slump in sales. Bed, Bath & Beyond told CNN that any changes in store temperature guidelines did not come from corporate. We've been contacted about this report, and to be clear... No bed, bath, and beyond stores were directed to adjust their air conditioning, and there have been no corporate policy changes in regard to utility usage, said a representative. Some analysts suspect, however, that Brenda and Towels was finally able to access the thermostat and turn it up to a quote livable temperature.
0: Dame, if you got the only vote in your household around the thermostat to your temperature, and there's no consideration for anyone else, what where you where you landing? seventy three is this this is during the summer seventy three? Yeah ok. Kristen, oh you do get the, say, of your thermostat, yeah, where where do you land?
1: Um, I'm cheap. So it depends on if it's the winter or the summer. But when I lived in Arizona in the afternoon, would let the thermostat get up to eighty four?
0: Oh yeah and
1: then, and then in the winter, wouldn't turn the heat on until it bottomed out at
0: sixty. So. There is one answer and one answer alone for me, and that is 68 degrees. That is too cold. No, it's great. I'm a sweaty Midwesterner. I, I don't this want economy? to. In this economy. I mean, what I'm doing is I'm basically going to hotel rooms and I'm, I'm turning it <laughs> down to 68 when I get in there on business travel. And I just suck in their AC or you know, a nice nightly fee. I think that's reasonable.
2: Do you play the game with not turning on air conditioning as long as you can, or you just set it at 68 and that's what it is year round? I've said this before. I went to college and to earn a college degree for two reasons.
0: One, to be able to afford two-ply. And two... To be able to use as much air conditioning as I want. Yeah. And so I, I stand by that. I felt that way for over 20 years. And that's, uh, I, you know, we we're talking, I actually, there's a newspaper column I wrote about like what sort of inflation are you willing to accept and absorb? And there are just certain things that you, you, they are non negotiable for you. I, I will use, I will use some air conditioning. Would you
2: give up two or air conditioning first? <laughs>
0: Don't do that. I mean, that's that's just unsavory. It, it seems it seems unfair. It seems like an un. Um, that's a great question. Um, I'd give up two play first. Mm. That's no good because you can always
2: you know can always fold. Dane, what else is in the news? General Mills said higher prices helped lift sales in the recent quarter even as the food maker sold fewer items across the board. That's right. The maker of Cheerio cereal and Betty Crocker cake mix on Wednesday posted an 8% increase in sales to nearly $4.9 billion for its fiscal fourth quarter ended May 29th. Organic sales, which strip out effects from currency fluctuations and mergers, rose 13%. Inflation isn't expected to let up soon. General Mills forecast costs to rise at double-digit rates over the next year, with more cost cuts and price increases, planned to try to protect profits. Well, how'd they do it, Pete? General Mills has been raising prices for its products through a variety of measures, including list price increases and changing packaging and sizes to charge more per ounce. It projects sales will rise 4 to 5% in the current fiscal year. That's right. They're selling less and making more. Shrinkflation. Awesome. Talked about it a couple weeks ago or whatever. Awesome.
1: How much does that have to do, do either of you know from a data perspective, do people buy more non-perishable foods when money is tighter? Does that have something to do with this? That they're like the center aisles of the grocery store?
0: That's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I would think people would buy more perishable food. You think? But I would think. I, would I think don't they'd know. More, I don't know. I think they'd be more vegetables and grains than they would prepared foods packaged foods
2: i I think they'd buy cans of soup canned vegetables uh stuff like that maybe i don't know one more story dame Uh, We'll make it quick. Two LA schools, UCLA, USC will join the Big Ten in a major realignment of college athletics. The Big Ten used to be associated with just Midwestern universities, but the prospect of big dollars via broadcast deals has transformed the Big Ten and the SEC into two marquee conferences drawing teams from across the country. The two California universities will link up with the Big Ten in 2024 right after the conference's current TV deal expires. The new deal could be one of the richest college sports history
0: the well,
1: worst news of the week
0: yeah i mean i'm just not a fan yeah, i like the old school old conferences it just made sense i mean it is all about money but it also it's like okay so you're not just flying up the coast for a, a wednesday night basketball game you're flying to pennsylvania now
2: that doesn't make any sense i'm, I'm wondering if that's going to blow out the uh all the the championships being held in indy thank you for being on the show this week everyone City good vibes good vibes are all
0: that's in the budget i'm pete the planner this is the show Terrible. That's a that's dumb. It's just it's so
1: it, bad.
0: But it's dumb. Yeah.
2: You think we'll see schools you,
1: change conferences? Conference <sighs> yes.
2: I mean like they they come here for 10, 20 years and then they move on to a the SEC if the dollars are better. Are we are we seeing the end of loyalty to conferences?
1: They would just go to the SEC now. Like Texas and somebody else is going to the, the SEC.
2: Is A and M going?
1: I don't think so. It's the horns there? and no, <laughs> no. I, wait, maybe.
0: I don't know. I have no idea. I started reading my email and now I'm lost. And I wish I. I just need to put it out of office on. I never put it out of office on. I just I, I need to do that, though. Alas. That's it. All right, everybody. Kristen, first thing you're going to do when your work day ends today is.
1: I have to run seven miles today.
0: <laughs> no one has to run seven miles unless your well, car broke down and there's if... a, a wild game chasing you.
1: There's a race this fall that I want to do. And if I want to perform semi decently, then I should run seven miles today.
2: Dame, how many miles are you running today? <laughs> Can I round? Uh, if I round, my answer is going to be zero.
1: <laughs> zero. <laughs>
2: um, yeah, I probably
0: run about a mile and a half if I'm being honest. Yeah. Today? I do like a. Yeah. Yeah. Now I got to go run. Well, (laughs) Um, all right, everybody. Have a good weekend. Uh, Dame, Kristen, good job. Uh, Everybody else, in the words of E40 stay getting money.